0: Hey guys, Dylan Manfrey on hand for The Sport Profile. I published Jordan Hall's story on January 26th, and I'm super pumped to share our full interview with you all. Jordan works with NBC Sports Philadelphia covering the Flyers, and he's a Rider alum. Here's our full interview. Hope you like it. Let's get started. This We're going to talk about you, know, you, your background in sports media, um, how you got in into the field, how you navigated the field, everything else. So... When you were in college, I know you're at Rider University, the best college there is, of yes, course. Um, what did you think about the journalism classes you had in college?
1: I liked them. They were, it was a wide ranging uh, core um, course load that uh, really got you involved in every avenue of journalism, um, from the print side to the um, to the website to you know, investigative reporting to, um, sports media relations to, um, I'm trying to even think of all the courses that I had, but they, they were just very versatile and, um, really prepared you for, um, for what you might expect, uh, coming out into, you know, a competitive field. Um, it really helped me learn a lot more than just sports writing, um, you know, when you come out of college, you really want to know how to report on news. You want to write, you want to know how to, you know, write features. You want to know how to um, do sports. Uh, you really want to know how to do just about everything. Uh, mm. I had someone say to me that, you know, everyone can write about sports, but not everyone can write about, um, you know, not everyone can cover news or yeah. uh, do a breaking news story. So, uh, I, really enjoyed the course load because, um, it really prepared me for, for graduation. Um, it really helped me, um, just be ready to, uh, do everything. Um, and, you know, I remember going to, going to the courthouse down the road and covering trials for one of my, um, I believe it was news reporting, uh, classes. Um, I just remember, uh, the, one of my courses, I believe, was um, computer... I'm trying to remember... Computer-assisted exactly reporting? Called. I think it was... I can't, I can't remember what it was called, but it was computer-based reporting where
0: it yeah. was more... Um, I know that class I'm taking it next semester, I think.
1: What is it called?
0: Computer-assisted reporting.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Um, so that was very interesting. I really didn't know what to expect going in, but I um, felt like I learned a lot there, too. Um so uh, I, I enjoyed. it. I thought um, every class had something to offer. Um, it was very, uh, you know, very broad learning, and um, and uh, I, it was the best four years of my life, and it um, absolutely prepared me for
0: what I wanted to do after school. Sure. So when did you first like, you know, get your interest in journalism? Was it in Was it in college? Did you know you wanted to be a journalism? Major going in, did you know you wanted to be a sports reporter for a while? When did it really click for you that you I'm could sure. really pursue this?
1: Yeah, so it was actually um, my junior year of high school. Um, high school was a tough time because um, I just struggled in like a lot of um, regular courses. You know, I was math wasn't what I liked. History um, didn't really interest me. I, I had a tough time you know, in science, uh, language was terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so in high school, I, I had a tough time really finding what I, um, what I enjoyed and,
0: sure.
1: um, didn't have a lot of confidence in those other classes. So, um, when I was a junior in high school, my dad and I actually created an independent study
0: Really? Um,
1: that I, yeah. So an independent study that I was actually able to, put on my report card as a, as a pest fail. And one of my teachers in high school basically oversaw it, but allowed my dad and I to kind of dictate it. And what it, what it entailed was basically every quarter, um, we would, my dad and I would connect with someone within the field, um, of sports journalism. And basically I would either maybe go to a game with that reporter or I would watch the game online, or maybe I would, write up a story on something, whether it was at the game with that reporter or watching a game or going to an event, and Mm -hmm. I would write an article. And then that reporter would critique it and kind of go over it with me and just give me tips. So basically connecting with some reporters, um, getting real-life experience, and then them um, kind of helping assess it and kind of give me tips going into college. So what was so beneficial about that was that I put together a portfolio uh, my dad and I, at the end, um, after I did it for each quarter of my junior year, each quarter of my senior year, we put together a portfolio. And then when I was applying to colleges, I sent that portfolio to to those colleges and kind of let them know that it was, you know, something extracurricular that I did and that I really had a passion for sports writing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really found out my junior year. Um writing was the one course right or writing not course but writing was the one thing that i felt comfortable doing yeah. i had a i remember i had a creative writing class i think it was my sophomore year and as i was kind of feeling uncomfortable in all those other classes where you know i wasn't very confident um and didn't really enjoy those classes creative writing was where i kind of like felt like felt good about myself mm-hmm. um, and knew like hey I, I actually enjoy doing this i enjoy coming to this class and i feel like i was Decent at it. I thought I was decent at writing, and then I I absolutely loved sports. I played sports. My whole family was sports oriented. Um, I had a real passion for like just not just playing it, but analyzing it. I think I was one of the few kids that enjoyed actually like going to games and breaking them down and remembering things. I actually enjoyed that more than actually playing the sport.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, So I kind of my dad and I kind of thought like I was I enjoyed writing and I loved sports. So we kind of put two together. And then we kind of really attacked it um, my junior year with the independent study and my senior year and really made sure that, you know, I kind of got ahead of the game when I was going into college. And we really thought the independent study would look impressive to colleges. Um, and, and it worked out great. I, I found Ryder, and um, I really think the independent study went a long way because I think it showed Ryder um, – that I was serious about it and I knew yeah. what I wanted to do going right into college and you don't have to know what you want to do going to college. It's totally okay. But I was fortunate enough that I had a pretty good idea of what I wanted to do. And I got, I got at it right away.
0: Absolutely. Now is anyone else in your family like sports reporters at all or in sports media at all? Or is it just you?
1: Uh, no. So my, my brother actually studies sports management. He's actually the, uh, director of team travel for the Phillies. Really? Um, so he has a pretty higher up, decently higher up job um, within the sports field. It's not, obviously, it's not sports communications or yeah. journalism or um, anything of that. But uh, he works in sports management. So, yeah, he's the director of team travel for the Phillies. Um, but other than that, uh, we're the only two that really have sports uh, sports background jobs. Or, uh, or, or or And I'm the only one that has a journalism-related job.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, going out of college, I know a common thing that whether for better or worse, you know, for your people's confidence, people will say that, you know, there's no jobs in journalism. There's, you know, it's very hard to get into, which, you know, it is, but I feel like any field is hard to get into hard to succeed in, but you, but you'll do it if you really like it and you really want to get after it. Is that, so I want to ask you, what are some, I guess, narratives that are put out there that might not be true about the journalism or sports journalism industry?
1: That's a great question. That's a really good question. Um,
0: In your experience, like, you know, going through these, going through, you know, different jobs to where you are now, are there anything that people told you that you found out wasn't true?
1: Sure. Um,
0: to rephrase it.
1: No, 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 that's, that's a really good question. That's why, uh, um... It took me a second. Um, I think it is ultra competitive. People will tell you it's incredibly competitive and mm-hmm. it's tough to find jobs. And I'm not saying it's not. It is.
2: It yeah, is very course.
1: competitive. Um, and you have to be prepared for it. You have to be you have to have a willingness to be patient and not be satisfied right away. You have to be willing to pay your dues and take your steps. Um mm-hmm but I will say there's no reason why anyone can't get into it and there's no reason why anyone can't have success in it and pursue it, um, and feel like they need to rethink, you know, their career path. If they struggle at first with it, um, to me, if you, if you go to college, um, or not even go to college, but if you go after it and really seek out the experience without the reward right away, Mm -hmm. um, if you build up your experience and you network with people and you meet people and you're willing to do, you know, the dirty work before you really get like the reward. Um, I think you'll have no problem, um, making strides in this industry and ultimately becoming, uh, what you want within this industry and and achieving the job that you want. Um, I can dive into my experience a little bit too, uh, the further we go, but, um, For example, just when I was in college, I told myself I was going to use all my four years to the best of my ability and and prepare myself as much as I could for when I left school. So I did five internships when I was in college. Really? I worked at my student newspaper since I was a freshman. Um, I did extracurricular stuff on the side. I I helped with the yearbook um, a few years. Um, I had a sports writing scholarship that I worked for. It wasn't a lot, but it was something that I could put on my resume. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried to do as much as I could during school. Um, and none of those internships were paid. One was paid. That was it. Uh, the rest of them were for credit. One wasn't for anything. Um, and then when I got into this, I started, as, I started as a part-time web producer that worked on weekends, late at night, on holidays, um, and it took me about four, four and a half years to become full-time, to get, to get a full-time job within this field. Um,
0: and that was with NBC Philly, where you are now? Yes.
1: So when I started NBC Sports Philadelphia, um, I was a part-time web producer. I worked about maybe two to three days um, a week. I typically, it was over the weekend. And, that, um, and then gradually from there, I just was patient. I started taking on a bunch of other things. I started doing some freelance reporting. Um, for a company called the Sports Exchange um, Mm -hmm. where I just covered games um, for uh, you know and it was pay per article Um, I started doing uh, some high school sports reporting for a newspaper I interned up in Central Jersey I did that for a little bit it was it it ended up being really difficult to do because it was about an hour and a half to two hours from where I was living so but I still you know drove up there and covered high school games um I did, I did the part-time work and then did a lot on the side, um, and just tried to be patient, network as much as I could, and, um, and eventually I, you know, I knew I, I was willing to be patient and work hard for hopefully becoming eventually full-time and 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 doing what I really love. I loved it back when I was doing internships and when I was part-time, but there wasn't like an instant gratification of you know full-time job and. You know, hey, I'm sad. I'm living off of this. Um,
2: mm-hmm. It took
1: time, but uh, point being, uh, just that it is very competitive. Um, but there's no reason why anyone should shy away from it. Um, if you, if you, if you love writing and you love sports and you have a passion about storytelling, and um, I say go after it and just work hard for it. Be be willing to, you know, meet people and and do things that might not give you that uh that instant reward but uh you'll have no problem though uh you know getting what you want if you really work for it
0: let's talk about a day-to-day for you you know now when you when you're covering your game and what is it what does really a day-to-day look like for you on a game day so i think let's give the flyers for example they play at night and you know what's your what's your day-to-day like you know break break down a day in the life for you
1: Sure. So yeah, say the Flyers are playing a home game um, tonight. I'll. They almost always have. Um, even if they don't have a morning skate, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't, depending on their schedule. They'll have typically they'll have a media availability around ten thirty. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times, that's at the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia. Yeah. They also practice out in Voorhees, in New Jersey. So sometimes, I'm heading out to Voorhees, in New Jersey, uh, to the practice facility or. Um, more often than not, they're skating in the morning. So say they have a morning skate at 1030, I'll head to the arena, you know, around 10. Um, I'll watch their morning skate at 1030. It typically might go for 20, 25 minutes, 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. Then we head down to the locker room. We'll talk to the players. Um, I might have a story idea that day where, you know, I want to talk to a few players one-on-one or, um, Whoever it might be. So typically I try to go into that day with an idea in my mind of what of what I want to write about even before the game starts. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I'll go after and try to talk to those players. Um, Then we talk to Elaine Vigneault, the head coach, uh, after we talk to the players. Um, Then I'll, you know, I'll head back to my newsroom um, and I will start writing. So I'll write, you know, maybe one to two, maybe three pieces. Sometimes the day can vary Um, one morning skate we talked to the head coach we talked to the general manager and we talked to players so there was a lot going on that day where I had to write about three pieces before the game even started
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, so yeah I'll go back up I'll write um, and then maybe I'll have a small break um, depending on how long everything took I'll I'll maybe have a small break uh, between the game Um, we also have where I work we have a 3pm call we'll do a call a conference call basically a team meeting about four hours before each game where um, where I work we obviously broadcast the game as well yeah. and we have a pregame show and we have a postgame show so we have kind of a team meeting at 3pm about four hours before each game and we basically discuss just all the plans we have um, for that night so everyone's kind of on the same page they know what we're doing digitally they know what we're doing linear side um, I know what's going on in the pre and post game shows.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I know maybe what they're doing within the broadcast that maybe I can tap into digitally. Um, so we have that call or that meeting at three and then I'll take maybe a brief break. Um, and then I kind of come back to the arena and kind of get situated around five. Um, a lot of times the other team might have a pre game media availability around five, five thirty. 30. Maybe I'll go to that depending on the depending on the game.
0: Even though your focus is mainly Flyers.
1: Yes, exactly. I cover the Flyers. So one example of when I went to the pregame media availability for another team was just um, the New York Rangers were wearing these shirts uh, supporting the one Flyers player, Oscar Lindblom, who yeah. was recently diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma, a rare form of cancer. So I just wanted to get a, a quick quote from him just talking about his team supporting you know, a rival but also – being bigger than the you know being bigger than the rivalry and supporting a player that's going through a tough time so um, but that was like a rare occasion so uh, so yeah then I got kind of situated um, the game happens at seven it typically ends around nine thirty ish nine forty five I'll have an observations type of piece that will publish right at the buzzer um, so that way we have something up on the website right away for fans to go to when the game ends they're looking for something instant so mm-hmm. that way they can get to the website and they can read about the game and read my opinions and my you know my and try to give them some insight um they'll get that right away then i'll run down to the locker room talk to the players again in the locker room talk to lean vigno the head coach in the media room and then i'll come back up and write my final story or two and uh depending on the night we might publish it that night or kind of have it go up in the morning um and then Hopefully I'm done by you know midnight one o'clock mm-hmm. or a little earlier it can really vary depending on the game but I would say typically I'm wrapping up around midnight um, so not to scare people away but that, that's a day for one game you're being honest
0: but,
1: um, that's kind of what goes into a home
0: game um, now how far is how far is your office from the arena
1: so I'm fortunate. We actually have a newsroom connected to Wells Fargo Center. Really? So um, it's on the it's on the side facing 95. Yeah. Um, see it? It's kind of like it's basically like a branch or kind of connected to the arena. And you'll if you go by, this has NBC Sports Philadelphia. So
0: yeah.
1: I'm really fortunate in that aspect that um,
0: you could probably just like walk over.
1: Right. Um, yeah. So no, it's like I can actually walk into the arena through a door. Really um from my new from my content room oh wow uh, and there's also a media room there for the reporters that don't have that luxury so uh, the reporters have a media room with like cubicles where they can sit and yeah. stay there throughout the day if they need to um and then obviously the practice facility i'm there half the time um that's in Voorhees, new jersey so that's a little bit of a drive but mm-hmm. uh, you know it's kind of right across the bridge walt whitman it's not super far sure uh, so I'm there a lot of the time too, uh, and then I'm in my I'm in my newsroom a bunch too, doing web production and um, in there at night for games and stuff like that as well.
0: So when you're covering a hockey game, you know, it, say it's like the first, you know, game starts, puck drops. What's really, what's really your routine there? How do you balance, you know, between? I mean, are you writing on deadlines for some of these games? Yeah, So how do you the, balance uh, that between? Game, yeah. So how do you balance between writing on deadline, live tweeting, you know, taking notes on on a notebook, you know, and writing your story too? I'm sure it's you know, all can, juggling.
1: No, no, that's a really good question because obviously the 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 you know this industry is constantly changing. You constantly have to adapt to trends. Um, so yeah, when I'm writing, uh, I'm trying to watch as close as I can, but I understand that I need to give. You know the fans and the followers like that instant, that instant access. They want something constantly. You know everyone is always on their phone now. Yeah, game. They're watching, but they're on their phone. They're on their laptop. They're looking for information all the time. So um, during a game, I'm just trying to be active on Twitter. I also don't want to give my followers just what happened. I try to maybe add something to it because almost always the fan is more than likely watching because yeah. if they're not watching on TV, they're watching on their phone or their, their tablet. Um, they're streaming it. So I try to get them. So say I try to give some, some information that maybe they didn't know. So say, instead of me just saying, Claude Giroux scores a game time goal in the second period, I maybe try to add some insight of, Hey, that's his fifth goal in six games. Or, um, Hey, he had been in a slump. That's his first goal in 10 games. Um, or, hey, that's his 500th career goal, Mm -hmm. or what have you. Um, So I try to be um, insightful and informative um, throughout the game on Twitter. Um, I try to, as I'm going, uh, you know, I'm writing my story, and I'm trying to jot down notes. Um, If something happens in the first period, I might jot down that note because I want to remember that maybe later on. Mm -hmm. But say the game completely changes in the second and third period, that, that note in the first period might not be as relevant. So I might not need it. Um, yeah, you can't write about every single detail in the game. You're not going to have the space, or um, the your reader might not have the attention span to want to actually read 1,500 words. That's not a knock on every, it's not a knock on the reader. It's just of course that's kind of the world we live in. They uh, don't want 1,500 words all the time. So, um, so yeah, trying to be attentive as much as I can. Trying to be active on Twitter. Um, and trying to be ready for if something happens within the game, I will write that up and get that up into a story, uh, within the game because mm-hmm. fans want, they want a link to click on at intermission and they want a link to click on during the game. So
0: yeah.
1: I'm constantly looking for a story during the game to post, um, as it's happening. Uh, I've done that numerous times, um, one recent example was when Oscar Lindblom, the, the forward that was diagnosed with cancer, he was at the game the other night. Yeah,
0: I saw
1: him on the Jumbotron. I was taking pictures with my phone, taking video with my phone, just in case I needed it to embed the tweets within the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I wrote a post on that uh, within the game and had it up probably within 10, 15 minutes, not even. Really? And hopefully, and, that, and then that story ended up doing really well because... It hit hit on our social media platforms, fans that maybe weren't there were able to click on it. They were able to watch the videos, see pictures, see his face. Um, They were able to kind of feel the scene within the building um, within about 10 or 15 minutes of it happening. So Mm -hmm. we're definitely big on the immediacy of things and trying to hit on things that uh, we know will be trending within social media and will be... Um, Googled and uh, popular search topics
2: Mm -hmm.
1: uh, in Google searches and um, so yeah always looking for things to write right away and always just trying to be active and as organized as possible during the game. Can
0: you describe that feeling when you first you know got into your role now as you know the web producer you're covering the Flyers game for the first time you go up the you go up the elevator exit I think you make a right and then you're you're going to the press box, you know, this is your first game covering the flyers. What's going through your head there?
1: Yeah. Um, I guess first is making sure I know where I'm going, getting situated. Um, just staying within myself. Um, but in terms of the emotions of loving what I do, it's surreal. It's absolutely amazing. Mm. Um, I always try to pinch myself routinely just yeah. to tell myself, like, hey, when, you know, if I'm ever feeling tired or if I'm ever, you know, man, I don't know if I feel like going to this practice or this game. Um, try to remind yourself, hey, this is really cool. I'm watching, you know, professional hockey. I'm talking to professional athletes mm-hmm. um, in the locker room, um, building relationships with the players. I'm talking to Elaine Vigne- Vigneault every game. Every morning, um, you know, I'm watching and reading and writing about sports Mm -hmm. um, for a living. So, um, yeah, the first few times I did it, uh, it was different. Um, I didn't have a huge hockey background, to be honest. Um, Really? So, yeah, yeah. So I wasn't, hockey wasn't a huge sport of mine growing up.
0: Were you a fan Um, of the Flyers growing up at all?
1: Um, I'm from the Philadelphia area. I'm from right outside in Delaware County in Brumont. So gotcha. I'm
0: about 15, 20
1: minutes outside the city. So
0: you're probably immersed with all the flyer culture growing up, right?
1: Yeah. So I knew, you know, I knew of the Broad Street Bullies. I knew of the really good teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew of uh, Eric Lindros. I knew of, um, you know, I knew of Claude Drew. I, I, knew the teams, I knew the team really well. But hockey wasn't, like, my favorite sport growing up. Um, it wasn't something I followed or played. Yeah. Um, a ton as a kid um, so there was a definitely a, you know, a learning stage and sure. a growing stage um, but the biggest thing I think in this field is like you have to go outside your comfort zone you can't you like um, that's a good thing and everyone feels a little apprehensive to that at first yeah when I first got into covering the flyers like you said my first few times going up to the press box or going to a practice I definitely felt a little outside my comfort zone because I hadn't done it yet um I didn't know the sport as well as a bunch of the other people around me um I'm talking to players at the highest level of the sport mm. uh, but um I knew I had to go outside my comfort zone and kind of go after it and learn each day and uh, you know be open to new ideas and be open to trying new things and um so at first, I think I was, you know, a little nervous, but um, I was also absolutely thrilled to be doing it. Um, sure. When I, when I first kind of jumped in, it was 2015-16, and I was covering the playoffs, and I was up in Washington, D.C., covering their playoff series against the Capitals, and
2: Yeah.
1: that's when I think it really hit me, like, hey, this is really cool, I'm covering the NHL playoffs, I'm in D.C., I'm around Alex Ovechkin and some of these players. Yeah. I'm around Claude Giroux, and um, that's when I think it really hit me that this is really, really cool. I'm really glad I'm doing it, and I'm really happy that, you know, I stuck
0: with it. Sure. Do you feel like there's a difference between being a sports reporter and a sports writer, per se? Because, you know, pretty words on the page that flow well doesn't always mean, you know, finding, like, the really nitty-gritty information that no one else is really getting?
1: Yes, that's an excellent question because in my position, I'm writing all types of different stories. Half the time I'm blogging, I'm writing a blog where, to be really honest, I'm maybe seeing a funny tweet and I'm kind of writing around that tweet mm-hmm. because I know fan. there's a fan that wants the kind of offbeat um, – sports-adjacent type of content that's not as much the nitty-gritty X's and O's or breaking in news information.
2: Yeah,
1: Uh, It's more the blogging material that that might catch a certain fan's eye. But then there's a day where I'm really doing kind of like hardcore reporting where I'm going to the locker room or I'm trying to connect with someone within the organization or I'm talking to the general manager and I'm reporting on something – Very um, fact related or fact based and serious, Mm. like something like Oscar Lindblom being diagnosed with cancer. Or um, when I first started, Ed Snyder, the founder of the Flyers, died. He passed away the day before, or I'm sorry, the day after their regular season um, finale. And then during the playoff series, they had his celebration of life at the Wells Fargo Center. So I had to go cover that. Um, And that's very, you know, I had to go around and make sure I was talking to people and um get really kind of summing up his funeral and um his celebration of life and mm-hmm. um and really making sure I was being as delicate and as uh, factual as possible with that because that's obviously a very
0: um, topic, sure.
1: Yeah, very touchy, uh delicate story. Um to about the founder who who died. Um mm-hmm. so so yes uh there's definitely a difference um but you have to be open to, be, to doing both Absolutely. Uh, because um we work uh in a field where the more you can do the better so a lot of times you're not just a columnist writing your opinion a lot of times you're not just um a blogger sitting behind a laptop and kind of just watching the game from your tv you're doing a little bit of everything so every day for me is different and every day I'm open to doing um, a little bit of everything. So a great example was honestly two days ago. Uh, um, I'm at the practice facility. Uh, we talked to the general manager for about a half hour. He was kind of giving his mid-season evaluation, touching on a wide range of topics,
2: mm-hmm.
1: a lot there. Then they practice at noon, Carter Hart, their 21-year-old goalie who's the future actually leaves practice because he felt something kind of in his midsection. So we have to go down to the locker room and try to find out more about the goalie injury. Mm-hmm. So so for there, I'm writing a very hard news story. Not yeah. just news, I'm, I'm giving my insight and opinion because I have to in every single story. But I'm also trying to gather facts about what may have happened, what we might know coming up, when we'll know. Um, and what it means for the team and for the organization that Carter Hart has an injury. And then, what do you know? Brad Marchand sends out some funny tweets about the game the day prior. Yeah, I thought That
0: was blasted all over.
1: Yeah, it, it went viral on social media. Brad Marchand, for those that don't know, Flyers-Bruins game. Yep. He has a shootout attempt. He literally overskates the puck. It was a, kind of a blooper that you would maybe see in a PW game. Um, he sends out some funny tweets Kind of trolling fans with a picture of him holding the Stanley Cup. Then he fired back at another Twitter follower. We wrote a story on that. I wrote a story on that because, um, as silly as it is, I knew it would really resonate with Philly fans. Yeah, I knew do really well on social media platforms such as Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and it did. It performed well because fans might not be on Twitter and they might really dislike Brad Marchand, so they want to know what he said. They want to know what was funny about it. So. Here I'm writing a hard news story about Carter Hart and in an injury, a very serious matter, mm-hmm. and then I'm writing a blog post about Brad Marchand tweeting at fans and adding some fun to it, some color. Um, so that's a very good example of um, writing and reporting.
0: Um, you have to be ready to do a little bit of both. Sure. Um, how when you're when you were like first starting out, um, I know top. Like reporters, you see, at like ESPN, like Woj, Adam Schefter, they always put out something that says like "league sources." You know, mm-hmm. when you're when you were like first starting out into it and getting into journalism covering the Flyers, how were you able to build up your source network? Because that's really the key to finding out things before they happen. How are you able to build that up? And do you feel that you have a network of them?
1: Yeah, I'm, sur- I'm certainly nowhere even in the stratosphere of like. <laughs> those uh, national reporters, yeah, that takes incredible time, and that's where like networking really comes into play. These guys are incredible networkers. They know how to talk to people, and they build relationships. And they, those top reporters build relationships with agents, with players, with coaches, with front front off front office executives, yeah, um, everyone. And they become a go-to person for when that information, um, for when these people are ready to release information, they go to these reporters before the team even announces it. Yeah. Um, so I feel like I'm continually trying to grow in that area. That's not that's not an easy thing to do. You really have to. It takes time to build that relationship. It's not just meeting that person one time, getting their number, and then just getting lucky. It's like it's constantly getting to know people, being willing to go out of your way and maybe shake that person's hand or introducing yourself to someone and then talking to them again and then knowing when to maybe reach out to them if you do have their contact information. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's uh, that's all incredible hard work and kudos to those reporters that um, the, 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 you, you know the best ones, the ones you just listed off, the ones that really do it. They, they have um, a ridiculous amount of uh, contacts and, and networking background where they are uh, just getting to know people and building relationships. You have to be willing to build relationships because if if you're not, then you won't you won't be able to get that information uh, before others do. Um, so yeah, the, you have to you have to be hungry and, and understand that you have to go meet people and talk to people and build up your network and that takes time. It doesn't just happen overnight. It takes time. Sure. That's why you see, I think, a lot of the reporters that break that that news information are ones that have been doing it for a while because, uh, cause, you know, they, they've really valued it and then they've built it up over time. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely a business where you have to, again, step outside your comfort zone, meet people, and uh, build relationships.
0: When you're, like, first talking to, you know, some of these people, how can you get past the nerves to go up to some of them and be like, hey, do you mind if I have your number... If I we exchange numbers, so you know we can share information and stuff like that. How did you get past like the nerves to really strike up a conversation of with one of those people? Because you know, as a you know, when you're first starting out, it can be very nerve wracking to do so.
1: No, a hundred percent it is. A lot of like even not even just introducing yourself one on one. Sometimes if you're in a, a scrum setting, you know, you're talking to a professional athlete that you haven't been around before, and that's very nerve wracking. It takes even courage to ask a question within that scrum setting you're around 15, 20 other reporters and you're talking to a professional athlete. No, everyone would be lying if they said they weren't nervous doing that at first. Um, So it takes time. And um, again, it's just about kind of stepping outside your comfort zone and knowing like everyone goes through this. It's okay to be nervous interviewing someone. Um, And to me, the worst thing to come from it might be if you go up and you introduce yourself to that person um, maybe they say, Hey, no, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not willing, you know, I can't do an interview. I'm sorry, but I appreciate you asking and mm-hmm. that's it. And then you move on with your day. So a lot of times it's just reaching out to people and not being afraid to hear no. Um, cause what's the worst that happens? Say you email someone or you contact someone, the worst that happens is they don't pick up or they don't answer and then you move on with your day. So, mm-hmm um yeah a lot of it's just breaking that nervousness and um it's okay to go up and if you ask a question you stumble or you stutter within your question that's okay that happens No. i still do it to, i still do it to this day yeah. um so um yeah just uh and then the more you do it the more comfortable you get so sure. it's kind of like it's just practice uh it's almost like a sport uh you might go up there if you swing the bat. You might go up there and you might look silly at your first few swings, but the more you do it, the more comfortable you get, and then the better you get at it. So, um, it's just about having the courage to do it, um, and understanding that if you had the courage to do it, it could lead to something really special, whether it's a, a story that really means something to you or a very good interview that mm-hmm. um, you ended up getting that no one else got.
2: Yeah,
1: uh, and then so then the rewards are very. Satisfying and gratifying, knowing that hey, that turned out to be a very cool story. Um, if I can give an example, um, one story that comes to mind off the top of my head was uh, when the Flyers hired General Manager Chuck Fletcher. Um, one of his mentors was Bobby Clark, who's the all, you know the, probably the all-time great within the Flyers organization. Um, one of his mentors was Bobby Clark. Um, because when Chuck Fletcher got his start in the business back in 1993, Bobby Clark was the general manager of the expansion team, the Panthers. Mm. And he brought in Chuck Fletcher, a real young guy at the time to be his assistant GM. Chuck Fletcher was like a sports agent, but he had, um, he had a desire to get into, uh, the front office setting. Um, so when I found out that Bob Clark was one of his mentors and kind of allowed him, Chuck Fletcher to do some of his first contracts, I figured, hey, it would be really cool to maybe talk to Bob Clark um, and just get his insight about Chuck Fletcher, this mm-hmm. new GM who's supposed to steer the Flyers uh, in the right direction and kind of get them winning again. I'm sure fans wanted to know more about this guy. So I ended up, uh, I ended up landing an interview with Bob Clark, and it was a phone interview um and I I was definitely nervous going into that. It, yeah. Even if it was over the phone I was talking to literally the the biggest icon within the Flyers um and their background, and their history. Um mm. I was nervous going into it, but I thought hey, this could make out for a really cool interview. Um and it did. I I thought it turned out really well. And I got some really really cool insight in the story. I this story took time, but um yeah, it was a story I was very proud of and I think fans appreciated it.
2: Sure. And then
1: at the stadium series last year, Bob Clark was there and I told him over the phone, I was like, I'm going to make sure I introduce myself to you next time I see you. And there he was standing around the rink uh, the day before the game when they were having one of their skates, he was just kind of standing there watching. And I thought, all right, I could, I I could either just never introduce myself and let him stand there and I could be comfortable where I am. But I went out of my way and I said, you know what? I want to go over there and just shake Mm -hmm. his hand and thank him for the, for the interview and just ask him how he's doing. And, that was very intimidating. I was sure. inter- I'm going up and shaking Bob Clark's hand and trying to hold a conversation. Um, but it was really cool. He chatted with me for a minute. He, he appreciated me saying thank you. And uh, we got to talk hockey. And that was a very surreal moment for me that I still look back on.
0: I'm sure. Talking
1: to Clark about hockey. So, um, so that was one of those moments for me where, yeah, absolutely. I was nervous, but I, I figured I really had to do this. And um, I'm happy I did
0: two last things just talk about you know the philadelphia fan base how you know really connected they are with the media because i know a lot of people from rider you know follow you follow flyers coverage and are just really all around immersed and what effect has the flyers like fans had on you
1: great question um yeah huge impact um one, I, like, they're a big reason for what I do. I appreciate them having an eagerness and willingness to read and to want to know information about the team and for constantly interacting with me. I enjoy the fan interaction on Twitter. It's Obviously, it's not always positive and it's yeah. not always fun and you get criticized by a lot of people. That's fine. Um, but then you have a lot of people that really enjoy um, your stories and interacting with you, and that's something I – i love every single day so um it's been great i i really the fan philadelphia is unlike any sports city it's truly unique the passion the passion is um unrivaled and Mm -hmm. um that's what makes it great that's what makes it fun you know you're writing um and you're telling stories to a fan base that really wants it and it's going to appreciate it and it's going to interact with it and it's either going to like it or not like it but at least they're passionate about it
2: yeah um
1: so that's something I've I've loved and really enjoyed and it's and you build relationships that way too. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I've met people that within this area that went to Ryder and um, or they're from Jersey and they know of Ryder or they knew people at Ryder or know people there at now and we talk about it. Someone I work with now within MEC Sports Philadelphia um, graduated from Ryder before I did and Really? Um, we least, yeah, Doug his name's Doug Brown. Every day, you know, we're constantly talking about the Rider men's basketball team, sure. or you know, our past experiences at Rider. So, um, it's uh, it's been great. I love working in Philadelphia, where I grew up, and um, and love the fans and love the passion and And they make their huge reason for what we do is because they read and interact with us and um, and appreciate our stories and um, and we appreciate
0: them reading. So I'm sure. So one last thing. When you, I know it's a lot to get into this industry, late hours, you know, doing things you might not exactly want to do. When you're coming out of college, you know, society will put on, like, its traditional hat of the fear of missing out. You know, you'll see all your buddies from school doing different things while you're in an office working. How are you able to stay locked in there and really try to tell yourself I'm doing what I love and it's going to be worth it in the end because it can be very hard to do so.
1: Yes, it's a hundred percent hit the nail on the head. It's that can be very tough. I experienced it back even when I was in school. Um, Cause I, you know, a lot of my internships were on the weekend mm-hmm. when I was three. Um, and, you know, maybe you're missing out on fun things that friends are doing, whether, you know, whatever they're doing, uh, maybe they're going out, or they're going to a game, or they're going to you know, doing fun things that maybe you had to you know, had to pass up on because you're going to cover a high school sports game, or you're going to your internship. Mm-hmm. Um, that's tough, but uh, you look at it as like we pursue this field because we want to enjoy what we're doing. Um, we don't want it to feel like a job, and that that is something I love every single day. I appreciate that every single day that. You know, um, this this is not knocking other fields or um, anything, but you know, a lot of people maybe have a very organized, structured nine to five job, but they might not enjoy it. They might dr- they might dread every single day, and then they can't wait for the weekend, and they're counting down the hours. I never feel like I'm counting down the hours. I always feel like I'm enjoying what I'm doing. I love going to games. I love going to practices. I love going to my newsroom. Mm -hmm. to not even just talk with athletes but talk with people within the organization or talking to my coworkers. um there's never a boring day there really isn't um and that's why we get into it and that's why you sacrifice early on it's why you still sacrifice now that's why we still work on a holiday from time to time or we work late nights or we work weekends so yeah you maybe miss out on some things with friends but you also love what you're doing and i promise you you I promise you find time to do things with friends. It's okay to take off. People take off. They take they take uh, vacation time. They they take um, the, you know you sh- you can get weekends in sports. You can get time off.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you find time to you find time with family and friends, and you love it. Um, it's not like you miss out on that. You don't have a life. Yeah. Um, but there are sacrifices. Uh, but the payoff is really just doing what you enjoy. Loving what you do every day, being around sports, being something, doing something you're passionate about, um, and never having a boring day. I think that's the the, the pros to it. Um, and the more you go, the more you understand the balance of um, work and life, and and making sure you're balancing the two as best you can, and still enjoying time with friends. So, um, if you ever miss something with friends, um, I think you'll remember. Probably where you were, maybe for a really cool sporting event, mm-hmm. um, and you'll remember that. You know, you were getting paid to do it, and um, you'll you'll have those memories as well. So, um, for those that are struggling with that, understand that you're going to really enjoy what you do, and you're going to love every day of it. Um, that would be my my best advice.
0: All right, man, Jordan Hall on the scene, looking like a mean flyer writing machine. Thanks yes. for time. <laughs>
1: Thanks so much, Don. I really, I really appreciate you having me on. I'm always excited to follow your work.
0: Thank love you.
1: seeing people at Rider uh, go after what they want, succeed, and uh, pursue uh, their dreams. And um, love reading your work. And excited to see more that you're already doing at Rider as just a sophomore. So I'm very really excited for you.
0: Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening, podcast people. Really appreciate all the support, and I'm so excited to share. What's in store for the sport profile coming up soon.